0: Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm a little cold. Are you guys cold? So I'm, I'm a little chilly. But anyways, I'm glad you're here. Good morning for you guys watching at home. And let me just say this, it was in my heart this morning as I had my quiet time preparing for the, today's uh, sermon, speaking to you guys at home. I miss you. I really do. I get excited when I see faces that haven't been here in a while. It just brings joy in my heart. So when you come back, will you give me a hug, because I miss you guys. And, and I miss everybody. Everybody can give me a hug if you want. I'm a people kind of person, but thank you for joining us. Have you guys ever heard the saying, time is like money? In the manner it's the same because you can spend it any way you want to, but you can only spend it once. And every single one of us has the same amount of time given to us every single day. Every single one of us has 86,400 seconds in a day. Every single one of us has 1,440 minutes in a 24-hour time. I don't care who you are. And we all know this. And so because we know that our time is limited, we try to manage our time the best we can, don't we? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The way I try to manage my time is I'm a big to-do list kind of guy. Every Monday, I walk into the office and a little piece of paper, I write a list of things that I've got to do for the day, things that i got to do for the week. And I love, love, love doing what's on my list because I love scratching it off. Ah, I accomplish Good in the time that I have. I did it. This is how freaky I get, church. I'm just being authentic. We're at home, right? Sometimes when I do things that are not on my list, I write them on my list, and I know I did them, and yeah, scratch it off. I love it. On Fridays on our day off, it's my my day for me to do my wife's to-do list, and I tell her, tell me what you want to do, and I write it on my phone or type it in, and then I delete it. Such a great feeling. And here's where I get really, really furious and angry. I always, always try to be on time. Always. I tell my kids this, if you're there on time, you're late. Thank you. I might be touching a nerve maybe, right? But this is the reason for it, because think about it. Time is one of the most precious commodities we are given. We can lose money and we can make it up. We can lose our friends and we can get new friends. But once you spend your time, once you lose your time, you never, ever get it back. I'm going to take it one step further. God has given you and me and everybody on this planet a certain amount of time. That's it. He has ordained the day that you and I will no longer take a breath here on this earth. And so if you agree with me with that, then I think you'll agree with a statement that says, your time equals your life. Your time equals your life, right? Whatever time God has said, this is how much time I'm giving you, that's it. As a matter of fact, Job puts it this way. In Job 14, verse 5, he says this, you... He's talking about God, have decided the length of our lives. You, and I'm going to add this, only you, only you, God, know how many months we live. And we are not given a minute longer. Agreed? And that's why I know that Moses wrote in Psalm 90, Lord, teach me to number my days because he understood he knew as we should that every single day is a gift from God. So let me live my days in the right way. Let me not waste my time. Today we continue our series on Ecclesiastes, so you have your Bibles with you, which I encourage you guys to always bring them so you can take notes, open up to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one underneath the, the chair where you're at, you can follow along, or as always, we are going to have the verses on the screen behind me. So here is here's my prayer, here's my hope for today, so we can leave here convinced or convicted of something. And this is what I pray, through God's word, that more important than knowing what time it is, because we're always concerned about the time, right? I got to go, I got to do this, whatever. More important than knowing what time it is, is knowing what to do with our time. And God's going to tell us through his word what that is. So let's jump right in. Chapter 3, verse 1 of Ecclesiastes. Solomon opens up by saying this, for everything there is a season, a duration of time is what he's saying, and a time for every matter. In Hebrew, that word matter means for every activity, for every desire, for every delight. Under heaven, under the sun, here on earth. So he opens up these verses by giving us his thesis statement, his purpose on what we're about to read. And and just a summary we just read, he is saying there's a duration of time, there's a season of time, every season is temporary is what he's saying. And church, you and I can agree with that because I'm gonna tell you one thing. You are rather, right now rather, maybe going in a season, you're in a season of difficulty or of a high you're coming out of a season of a high or a low, whatever, or you're gonna go into a season. I promise you that. And that is the purpose of Solomon writing what we're about to read for us to understand that is everything, everything, there is a season here on earth. Before I go on, he's gonna continue. And he's going to change his style of writing into a more poetic style. We're going to read a poem. This poem consists of 14 different contrasts. They're called mirisms, And it's important to understand why as we dig into God's word. And not only that, as we're going to see, there are 14 different lines, 14 different contrasts. And you're going to see, we're going to read the word times 28 times. 14 and 28, both those numbers are divisible by seven. Why is that important? One of the commentary says this, one that I read, it says this, the number seven suggests the idea of completeness and the use of the polar opposites called mirisms suggests totality. In this case, it may include the complete number of different times, of different seasons that we as humans encounter in our lifetime. And so Solomon writes this poem in this style so we can understand that these are the seasons that most, if not all, experience in the time that God has given us here on earth. So let's begin this poem. Verse 2. He says this, there is a time to be born and a time to die. So he begins with these two total opposite spectrums, if you will. A time to be alive, to give birth, and a time to die. He continues and he's going to show us some of the deliberate acts that you and I do during this lifespan. He says this, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. There is a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. He's now going to transition into emotions that we feel in our seasons. He says this in verse 4. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. He continues in verse 5. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. I read several commentaries of what does Solomon mean here, and the best that I could gather is he's saying there's a time to rest and there's a time to work. He continues as this, there's a time to embrace and a time from embracing. There's a time to say hello with a hug and a time to say goodbye. That's what he's saying. Verse 6, he's saying there's a time to seek and a time to lose. There's a time when we... We can get to desire, but there's a time that we are going to be deprived of. We're not always going to get what we want, is what he's saying. There's a time to keep and a time to cast away. Now, I also read several commentaries on this verse, and none of them agreed what I believe Solomon is trying to say. Now, this is my interpretation, okay? This is what I believe Solomon is saying. It's okay to have garage sales. As a matter of fact, the Bible, God's word is giving us authority to have garage sales. Get rid of stuff. Don't keep it. There's so many storage places that we see in Laredo. Anyways, that's another sermon. But that's what he's saying. Get rid of stuff. He goes on. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Now Solomon is is giving us times that are associated with mourning. He concludes with this, verse 8. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. Which coincides with the times we're living at now. Church, we need to pray for the people in Ukraine. They are going through a lot of suffering. And this is not a time to be divisive. This is time to pray to God for protection and for unity. So he's going to now ask a rhetorical question. The same question that he asks in chapter 1, and this is what he says in verse 9. What gain has a worker from his toil? What value do people have by working so much? What is there to show for all our work under the sun? Then he goes on in verse 10. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Literally Solomon saying, I have seen the burden that God has placed on us. I've seen it. I realize it. And now what he's going to do, he's going to make two observations on the poem he just wrote, on what we just read. And here's his first observation, verse 11. He, talking about God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Don't miss this. He is saying this, God has made everything. Everything and everything is beautiful in its time. God is the creator of all things, including time. He is outside of time. And when God sees time, He's saying, This is just the way I want things to go. See, when God spoke creation, including time, He has a purpose, He has a plan. It's a perfect plan, a perfect purpose. And everything in God's sovereignty in its time is beautiful. We need to understand that. That's the observation Solomon is ma- making. He's saying, I get it. I kind of understand. And this is the same reason that Paul says what he says in Romans 8.28. He says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things are beautiful for those who are called according to his purpose. Now he's not saying that all things are great. Paul is not saying, man, when someone dies, yes, that's awesome. No, he's saying there's a bigger purpose, there's a bigger plan that we don't get. God is sovereign, he's in control. And he knows the beginning from the end, he is the alpha and the omega. Now think for a moment, church, during a tough season in your life, You don't know what's going on. Maybe you come to God and say, God, why are you doing this? I don't get it. It's not right. It's not good. It's definitely not beautiful. Ever been there? Have you ever experienced that? But maybe as time goes by and you look back at that time, that season, you say, I get it. I understand, now I know what I struggled, why I struggled with my marriage, because now, now I went to counseling, and my marriage is stronger than ever, and our, my marriage is glorifying you, God, now I understand why I lost my job, because now I trust you more, God, now I know why I had to go through this illness, so I could slow down and say, wait, you are God, and I am not, that's what he's saying. Everything is beautiful because God has ordained it that way, and it's God's plan working out the way he designed it. I want us to do this. When you get a chance, when you go home, go back in your Bibles and write after verses 2 through 8 that we just read in God's perfect plan. And you see what the observation that Solomon is making. For example, in verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die in God's perfect plan. A time to weep and a time to laugh in God's perfect, beautiful, ordained plan. That's what he's saying. The second observation is this. He says, also, verse 11b, also he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is what he's saying, church. This earth, this time that God has given us is not our permanent home. We're only sojourners. We're passing by this limited time that we are given. Our home for all believers, our eternity with him. And we have that in our heart. We desire that. I've heard stories People sitting down to, by loved ones when they're about to, to die. Believers. And they ask, how are you doing? Is there anything you need? And they respond, I just want to go home. I'm tired. That's what Solomon's saying. God has put eternity in our hearts. Our home, our real home. This time, this little time that God has given us is just temporary. Temporary. I love what St. Augustine writes about this. He says, This, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that's the truth, church. He also says, This, that we can't find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He's got it, he put eternity in our hearts, and we don't get it. God is sovereign. We don't understand. Again, different perspective. God is outside of time. But I think this is going to happen when we get to heaven. We're going to hear a lot of, oh, now I get it. Now hear me. We're not going to get it all. We're never, ever going to be sovereign. God is the only sovereign God. But we're going to get a better idea. Now I get it. I see it this way and now i kind of see it this way the way you do god now solomon as we're about to read comes with two conclusions why do i believe their conclusions because he says these two words i perceived verse 12 first conclusion i perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. As that, e- also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his good toil. This is God's gift to man. First conclusion is this Well, we talked a little bit about last week. Enjoy your days, enjoy your seconds. We spend most of our time worrying. What's gonna happen? We're anxious. What are we? God is saying, every second I've given you is a gift. Enjoy it. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems on themselves. God knows. He is sovereign. Enjoy. Enjoy your life. The second conclusion is this. He says it again. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. Everything that God does is eternal, it's perfect, and it's final. Just like I mentioned in the beginning, when God says it's done, it's done. Period. Can't do anything. Can add, you cannot add another second to your life. So what does this all mean? Why did God give us this time that we have here on earth? Why has God ordained different seasons in this time that God has given us here on this earth? The answer is here in verse 14b. God has done it so that, this is the reason, so that people fear before him. What does that mean? God has placed us here on earth for whatever as long He's ordained it for, for us to be in awe of Him, for us to be glorify Him, for us to praise Him in the highs and the lows, in our mornings, in our laughter. That's the reason for you and for me. That's why we're here. That's what Solomon made his observations and realized, so that we can be in awe before God. As I was preparing, I did a word study on time, because we just saw it or read it 28 times, and it's interesting. In Greek, there's many ways to pronounce the word time, but there's two main ways that people refer to time in the language, the language in Greek. One of those ways is chronos, chronos, which is more of a quantitative, kind of like a we see things. Chronos is seconds, it's minutes, it's hours, that's chronos. But the other way, that the way they pronounce it in Greek time is kairos. Kairos is different because it's qualitative. Kairos really literally, literally means perfect time, a perfect moment. And check this out. Paul writes in Galatians 4, verse 4, he says this, but when the fullness of time, now time there is chronos, chronological, our time had come. God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we may receive adoptions as sons. What is Paul writing here? At the time, our time, God stepped out of his time into our time. God became man in Jesus Christ. At the fulfillment of time, where all our time, his perfect timing, he stepped down. And he lived a perfect life. He died a horrific death and rose again. Why? So we can become children of God. We are adopted into his family when we trust what he did at the cross. And then Jesus goes on and says this in Mark 1, verse 15, the time. You pronounce that word in Greek, time, kairos. Jesus is saying right now is the perfect time. Why? Because the the fulfillment of the kingdom of God is at hand. Because right now is a perfect time, he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Let me stop here, church, and say this. Right now is Kairos. It's a perfect time. If you have not repented and trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is the time. Just come to him and ask him for forgiveness. Right now is Kairos. Now you're be thinking to yourself, I can't, Pastor. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know how sinful I've been and I am. And you know what I have to say to that? God's promises are beautiful. And this is why Paul writes in Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, while we are still sinners, at the right time. Guess how you pronounce that word time. Kairos, at the perfect moment. Christ died for you and for me, the ungodly. Right now is the perfect time. Why? Why do I say that? Because... We are going to run out of time someday. One day may be too late. And that's what Paul warns Timothy about. In 1 Timothy 6.13, he says this, Keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper kairos, at the perfect time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Church, He's coming back. And we're all going to kneel before him. Some of us are going to kneel in awe. But some of us are going to kneel in fear. Right now is Kairos, the perfect time. So what does it all mean? I started saying that I hope, I pray that for us, knowing what time it is is not the most important thing. You see, the most important thing is not knowing the time. It's knowing what to do with our time. So here's my sermon and applications. What are we going to do? What should we do? And this is it. In all times, give time to the one who made time. you remember that? In all times, doesn't matter what season you're in, highs and the lows, give time. Stop and praise Him to the one who is sovereign and in control of time, the one who made time. I want us to ask ourselves how you're spending your time. Think about it. Are you wasting your time away? For your homework, ask yourself, ask your spouse, ask someone that knows you. These four areas in your life. How am I spending my time physically? Do I have enough rest time? Do I have enough time for me? Am I taking care of myself physically, mentally? Ask yourself. Ask yourself, how am I spending my time relationally? Am I spending enough time with my spouse, with my children, with my parents? Because they're not going to be there all the time. We all have time that God has assigned us. Ask yourself, how am I spending my time professionally? Am I spending too much time at work? Am I not working enough? Am I being too lazy? But more important, Ask yourself, how am I spending my time spiritually? Do I spend time with God, my quiet time? Am I making church a priority? Think about it. Be honest. I'm not trying to guilt you. Please don't take it this way. But do you think to yourself, are we doing anything Sunday? Nah. Do we want to go out of town? Nah. Okay, let's go to church. Nothing else to do. Is God the priority in your life? Is community a priority in your life? Are you glorifying God with your time? I read somewhere. I thought, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. The problem with missing church is that soon you won't miss it. We get used to it. We have been getting used to it. Church, I pray that we are a church, and I know we are we all need work, I need work, that we realize that every single moment, every single second, every single breath, it's a gift from God. So let's spend our time, most of our time, in all that we do, giving glory to Him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for life. The first words out of our mouth, the first thoughts out of our mouth shouldn't be, or going to our phone, what are you going to do today? What do I have today? No, it's saying, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that I do have breath, that I do have another day. Another day to give you glory, to give you praise. And whatever you have ordained my day to be, whether it be good, whether it be bad, help us understand through the Holy Spirit that everything is beautiful because you purposed everything. So, Father, let's be that church that in the highs and the lows, we know you are still God. We know you are in control. And we will always praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I love you, church. Have a great week.